Chapter 11, Part 1 from the sermon series, The Gospel of John, spoken by Pastor Sunita Ponton. So um, raise your hands and keep them up if you have ever had a difficult situation, if you've ever been in a bad or difficult situation. Take a look around, just so you know you're not the only one. <laughs> Challenges, unfortunately, are universal. Um, they happen, tough times happen. Maybe you didn't do as well as you had hoped to do on a test. Maybe a friendship or a relationship ended and resulted in heartbreak. Maybe you were laid off. Maybe you received a scary diagnosis. Maybe your marriage is rocky. Maybe you're hearing your parents argue a lot. Maybe you're seeing your parents or your grandparents age and you are recognizing now that you are becoming more of the parent and less of the child. Hard times happen to all of us. There's sickness, there's death, there's financial challenges, heartbreaking relationships. And what can happen is that oftentimes when these things hit us, they shake us, right? We don't know how to hold on and we don't know how to recover. Sometimes our faith wanes. Sometimes we question God. Sometimes doubt or fear or disappointment or sadness seem to overtake us. And these are natural responses, but as people of faith, we know that there is a greater hope that exists even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Amen? Amen. That there is a hope that invades the most hopeless of situations, that that hope is in Jesus and it is Jesus. And so today we are going to allow the scriptures to teach us how do we handle when those hard and difficult challenges come into our lives. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, we're looking at verses 1 through 16, and we're intentionally cutting this story, and you'll see what I mean. John chapter 16, excuse me, John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there were trying to stone you, and yet you were going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, most of us have heard this story before, and so we know how it ends, but for today, I want you to like put the ending out of your head. And I want us to experience this story as if we were Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and the disciples, how they must have experienced it. 
So as Pastor Doug told us last week, Jesus had just escaped being stoned because the Jews um, called him a blasphemer because he said that he and the Father are one. And so to escape, Jesus goes to this region where he is relatively safe. And in this region, he's around a bunch of uh, a community filled with believers. But one day he gets a message that his good friend Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is sick. And this is not just a cold, but he is deathly ill. Lazarus's illness is so bad that Mary and Martha send word to Jesus because they know that Jesus can heal their brother. Now, have you ever been in a situation where you prayed for someone else's healing? Or have you ever prayed for someone else who was struggling? How many of you have siblings? Raise your hand if, you're, if you have a sibling. Okay, this is my sibling. He's going to come up on the screen in just a second. That's my brother. I love him to death. And as I'm reading this text, I'm thinking about how it must have been for Mary and Martha to have their brother whom they love deathly ill. And so they call the one person who they know can help them. They call on Jesus. And we all know, right, that in desperate times, who do we call? We got to call on Jesus. And that's what they do. They call on Jesus. And when Jesus hears about his friend, whom he loves so dearly, having received this word from Mary and Martha, these other women that he loves so dearly, instead of coming away, Jesus stays where he is two more days. But he says something interesting. He says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And so after those two days, Jesus heads back with the disciples who are confused because they're wondering, why would you go back to a region where people were trying to kill you? And what are you going to do when you get there? This is a bad situation. Lazarus is sick, deathly ill. His family is worried about him and they need Jesus to come and intervene. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you needed Jesus to intervene? Have you ever been in a place when you were like, Master, come and see about me? I know I have. And chances are we're going to go through it again. So the question is, how do we deal when hardships come? How do we deal when bad things happen? How do we respond? First, when times are hard, remember that Jesus loves us. Remember that Jesus loves us. Lazarus was sick and his sisters, Mary and Martha, were rightfully concerned for their brother's help. So they reached out to Jesus and they reach out to him, not just because he's able to save them, but because he loves Lazarus. Lazarus is not even mentioned by name to Jesus. The Bible says when they went to Jesus, they said, the one whom you love is sick. That's how, how much it was known that Jesus loved Lazarus. People around them even knew how much he loved them. Jesus loved Mary and Martha. It was known and yet Lazarus still gets sick. My brothers and my sisters, being in relationship with Jesus does not absolve us from heartache. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Wouldn't it be great if nothing bad ever happened to you? Wouldn't it be awesome if you never had a broken heart? You never got sick. You never lost a friend. You never lost a job. You never received a bad grade. 
Whether we want to admit it or not, internally, many of us believe that because we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing bad should ever happen to us. For some of us, and dare I say, more than we'd like to admit to ourselves, we might even think, what's the point in believing in Jesus if bad things can still happen to us? That's wrong thinking because that's not a relationship. That's Santa Claus. We make our list, we check it twice, and we wait for Jesus to deliver. But that's not how life works. That's not how relationships work. That's not how any real relationship works. Genuine relationships are strengthened through difficulty. We don't just love Jesus for the blessings he provides for us, even though he does bless us. And we don't just love Jesus for the ways in which he keeps us from difficult situations, even though he does that, that's called his mercy and he's merciful. We love him because he's the son of God. We love him because he's the savior of the world. We love him because he died so that we might live. We love him because when we look over the expanse of our life, we see God's handprint all along the way. We love him because he loves us. He loves us. And he loved Mary and he loved Martha and he loved Lazarus. All three of them were friends of Jesus. Lazarus was a known friend of Jesus. Not many people are called a friend of Jesus in the Bible, but Lazarus is. Lazarus and his sisters had a special relationship with Jesus. And Mary, Mary was a worshiper. Mary, Mary is known as the one who anoints Jesus and bows before him in reverence and wipes his feet with her hair. This is a family of believers, not unlike many of us, faithful Christians. We serve in the church, we worship, we participate, we pray, and we raise our children to do the same. And then tragedy hits. Then heartbreak comes. And we're left confused because we're wondering, God, why us? Why me? When I've done all that you have required of me. And then doubt starts to creep in. Sometimes a feeling of betrayal forms. And maybe... Just maybe we begin to think that Jesus doesn't love us anymore. But oh, he does. Just because bad things happen to you, it doesn't mean that God loves you or cares for you any less. See, we tend to doubt God's love for us or God's goodness in times of hardship or disappointment, but we can't. It's just the opposite. God's character never changes and God is love. He loves us with an everlasting love. The Bible says that his steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. See, the text is sure to remind us that Jesus loved Lazarus and his sisters. It tells us twice, and it declares Lazarus to be his friend. And Lazarus is sick. It's written because we need to be reminded 
for Lazarus and for ourselves. We can love Jesus and Jesus can love us and we can get sick. It's not one or the other. Because you see, if Jesus were to run away when things were difficult, it would mean that Jesus' love for us was unconditional or even worse, that he had no power. Have you ever had, had a friend pull away from you at the time when you needed them most? That's a conditional friendship. That's a conditional relationship. They only want to be with you when your life is good. But Jesus says, no, I'm going to be with you when things get tough. Jesus says, I am with you even in the midst of the heartache. His love is consistent and it is strong. He's not afraid of our tough situations. His love does not waver when cancer strikes, when the divorce occurs, when the job is lost. I love the way Paul says it. He says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus' love remains consistent through the situations in our lives. It is unconditional. It is unwavering. God reminds us that when he tells us he will never leave us nor forsake us. When times are hard, my brothers and my sisters, remember that Jesus loves us. Jesus loves you. Second, when times are hard, remember that Jesus knows what's going on. Jesus knows everything that's going on. Jesus is what we would call omniscient, meaning that he is all-knowing. See, as soon as the people tell Jesus that Lazarus is sick, Jesus says in verse 4, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus has knowledge of the future that Mary, Martha, and the disciples do not possess. They may not understand it, but Jesus is telling them the outcome even now. Lazarus' illness will not result in death. Rather, Jesus says that it's for God to be glorified through it. This is why Jesus stays away for two days. Isn't it weird when you read this? Jesus hears what's going on with Lazarus, and instead of rushing to him, Jesus stays where he is for two more days. Now, you would think, I would think, that if I hear that my friend is sick, and I have a way to heal him or her, that I would be there immediately. But what if that friend knew that you would be all right? And what if that friend knew that there was a greater purpose behind what was happening to you? And so the delay was not careless, but intentional. See, Jesus does not always do what we think he should do. Because Jesus knows things that we do not know. Jesus knew what was happening to Lazarus, even as Lazarus's condition declined. Jesus was away with the disciples, and yet they tell him, they, he tells them that Lazarus is asleep. And he knew how and when he was going to intervene. Verse 11 says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Now, here Jesus uses the term sleep to mean death. 
Lazarus has died, but Jesus knows that his death is not the end. He knows that he will intervene. He knows what's going on with Lazarus. And my brothers and my sisters, he knows what's going on with you. Have you ever felt like Jesus is not listening to your prayers, like he's not hearing you? Am I the only one? Am I the only one who's ever felt like, God, are, are you paying attention? Hard times make us question whether God hears us. They can make us question whether God is paying attention. But God does, and he is. In fact, he already knows what's going on with us. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 28 through 34, Jesus is teaching the crowd why they should not worry. And he says this, And why do you worry about your clothes? See the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The important piece here, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. God knows the things that concern us. He knows about the hardships we face. He knows when we're stressed out about our parents fighting. He knows when we've received rejection after rejection after rejection, and we're just waiting for the one yes. He knows when we're worried about how we're going to pay the mortgage and how, and, and, and we're nervous about the outcome of this diagnosis. The Bible says that God knows us so well that he counts the hairs on our head. That he holds our tears. Jesus knows what's going on with you. He has the full picture and the full scope. He knows the outcome even when we do not. Jesus knows. He not only knows what's going on with Lazarus, but he knows what's going on with him. He's, he knows the broader context. You see, Jesus had been in this region on the other side of the Jordan River when people came to tell him that Lazarus was sick. And the reason he was there was because people were trying to kill him. But Jesus says, and so, and so when he talks about going back to Judea, going back to this region, his disciples are like, why would you go when they're trying to kill you? And Jesus says in verses 9 and 10, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have low light. Jesus is telling them that night has not come on his mission or his ministry. Although the Jews may be seeking to attack him, they are not going to succeed in this moment. It's still daylight for Jesus. And while it's still daylight, Jesus has work to do. He knows that there's a perceived danger around him, but he knows that he will be just fine. And what's so awesome about God is that he knows the end before the beginning. And he knows how our story will end and all of the chapters in between. We become discouraged or frightened because we don't know the outcome, but Jesus does. And this is why we can place our faith and our trust in him. God tells us, for surely I know the plans I have for you. 
plans for your welfare and not for harm to give you a future with hope. This means that despite the hardships that come in our lives, hope still abounds. And hope still reigns. We can't see the whole picture, but Jesus does. When hardships come, remember that Jesus knows what's going on with us. So when hard times come, remember that that Jesus loves you, that Jesus knows what's going on with you, and finally Jesus acts on your behalf. He acts on your behalf. Now Jesus stays away for two days, but he does return to Bethany. The disciples thought, that when Jesus stayed away for those two days, that he wasn't going back. They even thought that Jesus should remain where he was to protect his own safety. But after Jesus has stayed his two days, he makes his way back with the disciples back to Bethany. He had always intended to go back to Bethany, just not right away. Now, at first, it seemed like Jesus doesn't act that he doesn't move, that he stays wherever he is, doing whatever it is that Jesus does when he's away for two days. It's confusing that Jesus would stay away two more days. And if you're like me, you read this and it actually makes you a little angry. Why would he stay away if Lazarus is sick and he loves him and he has the power to do something about it? Because you see, when we experience delay in our own lives, we sometimes conclude that Jesus didn't hear us, even though he does. Or we think that Jesus doesn't care, which he does. Or we think that Jesus doesn't have the power, but he does. Jesus didn't fail to act. Jesus wasn't late. He was right on time to do exactly what he said he was going to do. We'll see that next week. Come back next week for part two. Lazarus's sickness would not end in death. God would be glorified and the disciples would believe. His perceived inaction was actually intentional. His delay was intentional. So when it seems like God is taking a little bit longer than you think he should to intervene in your life, we need to start asking some questions of God. And the question is not, God, when are you coming or why aren't you coming? But what do you want me to learn while I'm waiting? What am I supposed to be learning in the delay? I can't see it. How will your promises come to pass? Because our faith and our trust are sharpened in the waiting. Because God is always at work. Faith requires us to trust that God will move and is moving in even when it seems like Jesus is going in the opposite direction. God loves us too much to be careless or capricious with our lives. And he knows how all the pieces of our lives will come together to fulfill his purpose. Now see, we have the full account now reading the Bible and we know how the story ends for Mary, Martha, and the disciples. But they are still left wondering if and how Jesus will intervene. Will Jesus come through for them? For Mary and Martha, it seems as though Jesus may have failed them. He hasn't returned, and their brother Lazarus has died. The disciples know that they're heading back to Bethany, but they don't know what can Jesus possibly do now. What does it mean that Jesus is going to wake Lazarus up? 
This is all this confusion and all this doubt and, and possibly some disappointment left at the end of the verses. How many of us have ever felt confusion or doubt or disappointment while we're waiting on God? How many of us have ever felt like, God, when will you ever come through? How many of us have ever wondered, where are these promises that you speak of? When are they going to manifest? And we're often left with confusion and with doubt and disappointment. Day after day, week after week, month after month, sometimes year after year. Have you ever been in this place? Are you in this place now? And you're left wondering, Jesus, what are you doing? Well, let me tell you that Jesus is fulfilling the promise he made from the very beginning. Look at verse 4 again. Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus is doing exactly what he said he would do. Even if we don't understand how and even if we don't know when, this sickness of Lazarus's, which looked like it would end in death, couldn't end in death because Jesus had already said so. How would Jesus do it? They don't know. How would God be glorified? How would Jesus be glorified? We don't know. But we do know that he did. See, we have the privilege of knowing that Jesus fulfilled his promise to Lazarus and Mary and Martha. So we can be assured that he will fulfill his promises to us as well. If you don't know this story, next week you will find out that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. When hard times come, know that Jesus' promises still remain. No hardship makes God's promises null and void. No hardship will cancel God's promises over your life. The promises of God in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. And it's this promise that we hold on to. That's the promise that you hold on to. That's why we need to know our Bibles. This is why we spend time in prayer and meditation. You need to know the promises of God so that you are not falling through life, uh, uh, waving your hands hopelessly and helplessly. Hold on to the promises of God, even when they don't make sense, given the situation you find yourself in. This could not be the end for Lazarus because Jesus had already said it's not the end. There must be something more, even if we can't see what the something more is. Now, see, we have the benefit of God's word to know that there is something more. For those who die in Jesus, our death is but sleep. We will be resurrected with Jesus in the last days so that no sickness that ever overtakes you will end in final death. Challenges come, they come our way daily, but they can't defeat us. Why? Because the promise is there that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Layoffs will come, crises will hit, but the promise is not to worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear, but to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Death comes 
in the physical, grief comes, but the promise is do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. Get into your Bible. Get a notebook. Get a highlighter. Write down the promises of God because you need to write them down so that you have them when you need them. His promises provide you with the hope that even though you don't know how the story will end and you don't know how God will unfold it, you can be assured that he will. Faith is holding on to who Jesus is, not the situation. That's why Jesus' love is unconditional. He holds on to us no matter the situation. And our faith demands that we hold on to him no matter the situation. I remember when I graduated from seminary, it was probably one of the hardest times in my life. I've had some hard times. This is one of them. And unlike all of my friends, I didn't have a job. I took a summer position in Houston, which I thought would end in a full-time job, and it didn't. So I had no job. I had been in a relationship with someone that I thought would end in marriage, and it ended up in a breakup instead. I had traveled all over the world and all over the country while I was in seminary. Kenya, Uganda, Israel, had served in Houston and Minneapolis. And the one place I did not want to end up was Inglewood, New Jersey. <laughs> and that's where I was. Back at home, no job, no money, no husband, no prospects. And it sent me into a spiral. It was the first time I went to counseling because I could not manage what I thought my life would look like and what it actually was. And you see, I was a worshiper. I am a worshiper. I had derailed my entire life to follow the calling that Jesus had placed on my life. And so, like many of you, I asked God, well, why me? I have changed my whole world to follow you. And this does not look like where I'm supposed to be. And it felt like I was praying and Jesus was not hearing. Right? It felt like God was not listening. And there, was, uh, there were times when I forgot the promise that God had placed over my life that he would never leave me nor forsake me. But Jesus, in his, in his love for me, placed some people around me who reminded me of God's promises. And they reminded me that in that season, I had to go back to the foundations of my faith, knowing that God is faithful and that I am called to be faithful to him. They reminded me that because God had placed this calling on my life that he had to make a way. They reminded me to go back to God's word and God's promises, and so I did. I went back to the scripture that I learned when I was a little kid. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. I went back to promises like I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not slumber nor sleep. I had to go back to the promises that said he who called you is faithful and he will do it. 
I had to go back to promises like being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of completion in Jesus Christ. And it took five months. And those are five long months. But God opened the door for me. He eventually opened the door for me and the pieces started coming together. He worked it out. But while I was in it, I couldn't see the end. But his promises remained. We don't know how God will put all the pieces together in our lives. The story of Lazarus is a foreshadowing of Jesus' own death. Many times Jesus will tell his disciples, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. And the disciples, they couldn't understand what that meant. They didn't understand, but ultimately he did. We can't always conceive of what Jesus will do and how he will fulfill his promises, but he will do it. And this is why we have the confidence of the Mary and the Martha. That when times are hard, we got to get word to Jesus. Jesus, the one you love needs you. Your daughter needs you. Your son needs you. We pray because we know Jesus loves us and Jesus hears us. We pray because we know that Jesus knows what's going on and that he has a plan and a purpose, even if we don't know what it is, that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We pray because we know that God will work on our behalf. We don't know how and we don't know when, but we are confident that he will, that we can be assured that this Jesus, that he's not just our Lord and he's not just the son of God and he's not just our savior and he's not just our master and he's not just our king, but he is our friend. And when our friend is Jesus, we can be assured that he will keep his promises towards us. So my brothers and my sisters, I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know what you will go through. But I am confident of this, that Jesus will fulfill his promise concerning you. And our job is to remember that Jesus loves us. That Jesus knows what's going on with us. And that Jesus will act on our behalf. Let us pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that your word is true. I thank you, God, that when we are in seasons of our lives like Mary and Martha and and Lazarus, God, when we can't see how you're going to make your way, when we're wondering why it seems like you're delaying when we can't quite figure out how it is that the promise is going to be fulfilled over our lives. God, you somehow make a way. You somehow blow our minds by giving life out of death, by bringing healing out of sickness, by bringing joy out of despair. And so God, I pray for my brother and my sister now. I pray for those who are in a season of waiting who are resting on your promise, who need your promise to come to fulfillment. God, I pray that you would encourage their hearts. I pray, God, that you would speak a word over them, 
I pray, God, that you would bring people to wrap themselves around them, to encourage them, God, to help them hold on a little bit longer. God, your word says that they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall walk and not grow weary. They shall run and not faint. God, there are some people who are on the point of fainting. God, don't let them faint. God, come by and see your children. God, we know that you love us. God, I pray for those who are in the season of celebration, who are enjoying your promises fulfilled in their lives. God, I pray that you would help us to remember how you put the pieces all together. Help us to remember your faithfulness towards us. Help us to never ever take you for granted. Help us to encourage our brother or our sister who is struggling, God. And help us to remain a faithful witness to your goodness and your grace and your faithfulness and your favor and your love over our lives. God, we thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you that our hope is in you. And that hope is fulfilled in you. We thank you, God, and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.